too much. So I use the word prevention intentionally. Uh, the whole saying about the ounce of prevention is worth a pound to cure, that's extremely relevant to about every situation in life. And it's much easier to prevent these big problems from getting started than it is to fix them. Yeah, I bet they can hear me now. Than it is when they, uh, when they take hold and get out of hand. So we're careful we can, we can prevent the problems and especially the destructive problems. And, and I've said this one night, but marriage is hard. It's, it's sure. tough. And even if life is pretty good, it's still tough. And then you throw in a bunch of self-inflicted damage opponent and bad decisions and, and terrible decisions, and it can just get about impossible. Amen. So right. let's look at preventing it. And let's go all the way back. You know, the first marriage problem happened pretty quick in the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 3. Um, and I don't know how long they were in the Garden of Eden. I don't know how much time has passed between chapter 2 and chapter 3. I do know the children were born outside of the Garden of Eden. So I'll suggest to you they were not in the Garden of Eden very, very long. Right. So this first marriage problem happened pretty quick. Sure. And I'm, I'm willing, and, and that's important because... You know, we start marriage in the honeymoon period and everything is wonderful and grand. And if we're not careful, we think it's always going to be that way. But it's not. It's going to be pretty fast in a perfect environment. Yep. Nobody else around. Mm -hmm. Adam and Eve have an argument in this third chapter of Genesis. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Uh, we ain't no different than they are. We're certainly not in as good of an environment. Right. So we need to make sure, especially our young people and young married couples, understand that you're going to have disagreements. You're going to have disappointments. You're going to have problems. Life is going to be rough, and the honeymoon period is going to end pretty quick. Yeah. And we see in the third chapter of Genesis, the first problem here is a spiritual problem. At least at the root, it's a spiritual problem. Right. And I will say that that's the root of all marriage problems. I've said it multiple times this week. You've got to be right with the Lord. If you're not right Amen. with the Lord, you've got problems. Amen. And it's a spiritual problem. And Brother Justin mentioned one night that Satan attacked the Word of God at the very beginning. Yes. And he created a doubt. Mm -hmm. And that was the first attack. Mm -hmm. But at the root of that yes. was a problem with Adam and Eve on how they treated the Word of God. Exactly. Now let's look at, so y'all know, know the story. I didn't put it in here. But the serpent was more subtle than he beast of the field. He says unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You should eat of every tree that's in the, in the garden. Mm -hmm. And here's Eve's version. This is what Eve says to the serpent. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Mm -hmm. Now let's go back to Genesis chapter 2, and let's look at what God had really said about that. Okay. Genesis two sixteen, And the Lord God commanded the man saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day thou eatest of it thou shalt surely die. Two big differences there, right. and they both show a spiritual problem. First of all, the Lord never said don't touch the tree. Right. The Lord said don't eat the tree. Right. The second one, the Lord said you will surely die. Yeah. No questions, no if, ands, whatever, right. you're going to die, you eat the tree. Lest means we might. It's a possibility. It's a weaker version, basically. So Eve's version, what she said, had two glaring discrepancies right. from what the true word of God said. 
Now, according to the scripture, the Lord did not ever speak that to Eve. The Lord gave the commandment unto man in that 16th verse. Right. And the best we can tell from the Bible is the man passed that on to Eve. Right. So where do these discrepancies come from? Did he tell her wrong? I'm, I'm going to say, assuming human nature here, yes and no. Mm -hmm. I imagine he added the first part. Don't touch it. Yeah. Trying to make her scared of the truth. Right. Trying to make her be really aware that that thing's dangerous. Don't even get closer right. to it. You know, the Pharisees did that. They had a say that they would build a fence around yeah. the law. That way there was no way he could transgress it. Now, Jesus didn't like that very much. No, and they used that fence to become a tool of judgment and a tool to beat others into submission. Right. And it's really similar to what's going on here. Don't touch it. Even though God did not say not to touch it. Yep. I think the second difference, lest we die, I believe that is doubt upon her part. Yeah. That she didn't hear it directly from God. She heard it passed down from somebody else. And maybe whatever happened there, she says, well, I just don't necessarily believe that's true. <laughs> that we might die. Surely, surely, surely eating that little fruit there is not going to kill us. And then she had doubt in her mind. Now, they're both the spiritual failure. Stay with me here. Both a spiritual failure. Adam has added to it and gone beyond what God has said. And there's a lot of us, a lot of churches, a lot of Baptist churches, following the trap of asking the question, what's the danger of being too hard? What's the danger of being real careful and going a little bit farther than what the Word of God says? Mm -hmm. That's very simple. God has to honor His Word. Yeah. God does not have to honor your additions or your opinions Amen. or even your convictions. You know, a conviction Amen. is nothing but an opinion with a suit and a tie on it. I don't even use that word. That's it right. is an opinion if it's not based upon the Amen. word of God. You call it what you want Amen. to call it. So get the picture here. Don't touch that tree, Eve, or you're going to die. Satan tempts her, she grabs it, and she doesn't die. Because God said, didn't say that, right? So if it's easy, or she's been told something that's wrong, and she doesn't, and there's no consequence. You know what that means? Right. The next step's a whole lot easier to eat. Well, if I didn't die when I touched it, then I guess nothing's going to happen when I eat it. Yeah. So it has set up disobedience and made it easier to disobey the true word of God. It's so critical to have biblical standards and live by the biblical standards. Not, the, not your ideas, not what your preacher says, not what your church doctrine is, but what the Word of God says because the Word of God will stand. Everything else added on top of it is worthless, folks. Amen. You may have a lot of faith in that stuff, but if it's not black and white in the Word of God, it will not be honored by the Almighty God. Now, her spiritual failure, and I think that was Adam's spiritual failure, her spiritual failure was doubt, was unbelief. And I'm not going to do it tonight, but I can take you to the book of Hebrews chapter 4. And I'm, I can make the case that unbelief is the greatest sin in the entire Bible. Amen. And it is the root of all sin. Yes, Every sin we commit is because we don't believe the word of God. Either we don't believe it's wrong or we don't believe there's consequences. Right. I'll give Amen. you an example. If I believed I would reap what I sow... I probably wouldn't sow the seeds of the flesh. Amen. At I some point, it. though, I don't believe it if I go to sowing. Right. So she did not believe that she would die when she ate that fruit. There's no way in the world, you convince me, that she grabbed that fruit and bit it knowing she was going to die and believing she was going to die. Ain't no way. She doubted it. 
She didn't yep. think it would happen, and she did it anyways. Every single sin, every single major marriage problem has a root in unbelief of the Word of God. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Do you believe it? Do you believe it enough to live it? Because if you're not putting it into action, you don't really believe That's it. That's exactly Amen. Right. Now, there's a lesson here. Wife, don't rely on what the husband says about the God's Word and God's plan. Husband, don't rely on what the wife says about God's Word and God's plan. Amen. You learn and study God's yes. Word for yourself. Amen. Amen. Hard to practice something you don't know. Hard to practice yes, what God is. says when I never read what God said when I don't know what God said. Right. And when I'm trusting somebody else, I'm passing the responsibility for keeping myself right with the Lord off to somebody else. And you're accountable for your own self there and your own walk. Practice it. Yes. If you'll live the word of God and do it, I tell you what you'll find out, that he's faithful to his word. He keeps his word. Amen. And then it'll be easier to live and practice yes. the next thing that comes about comes your way. So we've got a spiritual problem. And again, I think that's the root of all of the marriage. The, all of the marriage problems are a spiritual problem. Yes. That then manifests itself as a selfishness problem. A mind problem here. So here Satan has planted the idea. Look at the fifth. Oh, I didn't write the fifth verse. I'm sorry. The fifth verse of Genesis. Satan says that God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. He's planted the idea that God is keeping something from you. That what God has said is unfair. That Eve, you're missing out. That there's something really good out there, but God's not sharing that with you, and God's not letting you have that. And that's got this selfish thing going on that that's not fair. God's not fair that I'm not getting to enjoy my life. So what she does here is she puts the selfish desire. The sixth verse says that Eve saw the tree, that it was good for fruit, pleasant to the eyes, a tree to be desired to make one wise, yeah. and took and ate thereof. She put her selfish desire ahead of her husband, ahead of the word of God, ahead of her future, yep. ahead of her future children, that what I want in that moment, what I want in that moment yep. is more important than the long-term consequences. Amen. There's been a lot of marriages ruined that, because man. of what I want in this particular moment Amen. and I mortgage the future for it. That's right. They all rooted in spiritual problems. But they're all rooted in selfishness because somebody selfishly disregards the word of God and the other person and they selfishly act and engage in some sort of sin and some sort of problem. And it becomes a bigger problem. And then you've got a flesh problem. The sixth verse says that it was looking good, that it was pleasant to the eyes, make one wise, she took an eight of it. She momentarily satisfied the flesh at the expense of the consequences. Amen. The Bible says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Yeah. He that sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. That when you sow those things to the flesh, there's going to be great consequences down the road. Now the Lord never said, There's no pleasure in sin. I think she probably enjoyed that fruit. It really probably opened her eyes to a lot of things, especially the pleasures of sin. Sure. But that ran out pretty quick, and the pleasure was gone. Yep. People have traded a season of pleasure 
for a lifetime of problems. And all of those things come together and we'll call it temptation. That temptation will come to men and women alike. Great men in the Bible have faced temptation. Great women in the Bible have faced it. Some of them give in to it, some have overcome it. And temptation in this world today is, if it ain't daily, it's mighty close to daily. You're right. And there are different forms of temptation, right? There's temptation of the flesh. That's what he did here. There's temptation of the mind. Yep. That's what he did here. There's temptation of pride. Yep. Amen. That's what John said the root of all sin was, was those three things. Yep. Didn't and the devil will tempt you on those three areas. Yep. And I want to look, and I'm not going to be very long tonight. And I, Well, let me mention, there is a wrong way to approach temptation. There are those people that just want to completely isolate themselves from this present world and have nothing to do with it, live in a little convents, the Mennonites, the Amish, just yeah. to get away from it. Right. That's not the plan of God. Jesus no. prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane that I pray not thou shouldest take them out of the world, right. but you should keep them from evil. Yeah. Leave them here. Let them be lights, right. but keep them, deliver them from the evil, the powers of evil in this yes. world. Amen. I want to look at Joseph tonight out of Genesis. And there is, this is the greatest example that I can think of in the scripture on how to handle the temptations that will then lead to the big marriage problems. And y'all know the story. Joseph's been cast, excuse me, Joseph's been sold into slavery. Uh, he is risen up and he's now in the house of Potiphar who was a pretty high official. Fifth verse is Genesis 39. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hands, and he knew not all he had save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person, well favored. And it came to pass that after these things, his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph. And she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth not what is with me in the house, and hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in the house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass, as she spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie with her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business. And was there, and there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled, and got him out. And it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand, and was fled forth, and she lies about him there. Yeah. Well, that's not consequential to what I'm talking about. Avoiding the major marriage problems. Yeah. Begin with a strong concept of sin. Look at the ninth verse. Joseph said, how can I do this great wickedness? And you ever thought about this and sin against? Yeah. Who's he going to sin against? Going to sin against Potiphar? Going to sin against himself? He said, sin against God. Let's go back. Your number one priority is staying right with God. And we as Baptist folks don't fear that enough. I reckon That's we're right. so comfortable in being saved and always saved that we forget that holiness and proper living and our fellowship with Christ is absolutely critical. We should fear losing the daily walk with Jesus as much as we fear anything else in this world. Amen. Amen. And yeah. sin will separate you from that. He Man. says, how can I do this great sin? 
against God, against the Almighty God. Yeah. Go back to the Garden of Eden. Eve's sin was not against Adam. Eve's sin was not against herself. Right. Eve's sin was against the God in heaven. Amen. That the Amen. sins that we commit, major sins, my, whatever you want to call them, yes. these big marriage problems, <laughs> yes. they're sin against God. Yes. They're sin against the Redeemer. Yeah. They're sin against the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. Amen. And when we could get that in our minds, these things could be more avoided. That if I see it not as a sin against anybody except God Himself right. and fear disappointing Him, hey, I'll avoid that stuff. And that will eventually lead to a stronger, happier marriage every time. Amen. Bless yes. Lord. Now, here's a man that knew and believed the Word of God. You said we had an Eve down there in the garden who didn't know it and didn't believe it. But Joseph believed, apparently, that he's going to reap what he sowed. Yeah. And he got away from it. And I've already said, every sin can be traced back to it. What's God said about your temptation? He hasn't said nothing good about it, has he? The big problems in our marriages and in our lives, I bet God said don't do something yeah, that's God. led to those things. Amen. Amen. And I like Joseph's strategy. Flee from it. Yeah. Avoid it. Yeah. It's, and it's a good one. That when temptation comes, I'm going to find somewhere else to be. Yes. Know yourself and know what tempts you. I assure you, Satan knows what tempts you. Right. He knows what you like. He knows what appeals to your flesh. He knows when to hit you. You ever wondered why he said that to the woman when Adam wasn't there? Because he caught her at a weak moment. Yeah. He's watching. He's looking. He knows when you're weak. He knows what appeals to that flesh. And that's when he's going to tempt you. So it is your business, your job, your priority to avoid that at all costs. Yeah, Whatever your weakness is, you stay away from it. I've given an example a lot of times. I really like ice cream. Really like it. Yeah. And you know what I do if I don't want to eat ice cream? I don't go down the ice cream aisle in the grocery store. Because if I go down the ice cream aisle, it's getting in the buggy and going to the house. If we would treat sin that way, yes. and we do treat sin that way, You're we'll right. walk down the ice cream aisle of sin and load up the buggy and say, well, we couldn't help it. It found us. All the time, we kind of wandered over too close to it to start with. Amen. Amen. That'll work. Stay away from it. Yes. I like 1 Corinthians 10, and I think of this verse a whole lot. Because so many of us have a super high opinion of ourselves when we have no business having that opinion. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. That that you say you're not going to do, that that you say I'm too strong to do, Paul says right here, you better watch out. Right. Because if you think you're strong, you're the one that's going to fall to you. Yep. Now, let's, let's read the end of that. Let's roll into the next part. There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able to bear, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape mm -hmm. that you may be able to bear it. Yeah. This idea that I can't help it is not true whatsoever. Amen. I'm going to lay hands on a lot of people one of these days, Brother yeah. Justin. I'm going to read about it. Yeah. But somebody's going to tell me the devil made me do it. I'm going to lay hands on them. Yeah. The devil didn't make you do anything. No. Amen. You done it because you liked it. That's right. You got the ice cream in the buggy because you liked the ice Amen. cream. You got you close to it. Nobody made you. Amen. There's That's a way right. to escape the temptation. Yes. Nothing's worse for you than it is for anybody else. You can avoid it if you want to. Now, 
we ought to avoid it and flee from it and do our very best. But what happens if it is like this situation with Joseph where he walked into it because it was part of his daily job and there was really not much he could do to avoid this situation from happening here. Now, he got out of there when he could, yeah. but sometimes it will find you just like that. Yeah. That's where the scripture that talks about he that is within you is greater than he that is within the world. Amen. That's where we lean on the power of Jesus to overcome these temptations. Sure. Some temptations can't be avoided and they'll find you. Right. But Hebrews 2.18, for, he for in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. Now, succor in this context means yeah. to bring aid or help. He will help you when you're tempted. Christ faced every earthly temptation yet without sin. And we believe, don't we, that we are filled with the power of the Holy Ghost on the inside of us. And Brother Justice said, God didn't make no provision for the flesh, but he gave you the power to kill it and to mortify it through the inner man and the Holy Spirit that dwell on the inside of you. We can resist the temptations of life. And I, I guess I was just not, well, we, by the prayer, by the word of God, by the Holy Spirit, I guess I forgot this verse too. And you mentioned it. It's what really made me think about it one day this week. How do they handle when the major problems happen to them there in the Garden of Eden? They run away from God, right? Yeah, yeah. You talked about the people that when problems happen, right. they run from the church, yeah. run from the help that they could get at the church. Sure. That's the wrong way to handle the problem. Amen. Is running away from it. They covered it up. The shame was covered with something else. Maybe they did fig leaves together to hide their nakedness. There's a lot of people trying to cover up problems and spiritual problems with some success of the world, with a smile on their face, with the clothes they got on, with their success at the job. They're just hiding something. Yeah. That's not the way to do it either. You're not going to hide the problem. It's still there, and you're not going to cover it up. And then they blamed each other. You ever, mm. I should have put the scripture. But God come walking through the garden. He said, Adam, where art thou? And he said, well, we hid ourselves because we were naked. I said, who, who told you you were naked? He said, yeah. said, that woman that thou gave to yeah, me woman. gave me of that yeah. tree, and I did eat. It was her fault, God. Yeah. I'm in this situation because of what she did. Yeah. They started blaming each other, casting yeah. stones, and she said it was the Satan, it was the devil. The devil did it to me. Yeah. Neither one of them wanted to take responsibility. Neither one of them wanted to be adults. Right. Neither one of them wanted to repent and talk through it. Mm. That's the wrong way right. to handle marriage Amen. problems. Amen. Mm -hmm. Solve it. Run to the God. Cling to the church. Talk to each other. Forgive each other. Get past it. Yes. And take responsibility for what you've done. Yeah, yes. I'll say this just because I can. Adam even blamed God for it. Yes. He said, that woman that thou yeah, gave you, to me. Yeah. Oh, Adam was the first Calvinist, wasn't he? Yeah. God, it was your fault. <laughs> you knew what was going to happen. God, you did it anyway. Yeah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I don't like you people. I'll take a shot at them when I can. Come on, preacher. God bless you, brother.